Good morning. It's nice to be here again this morning as we continue our, uh, our study on the kingdom, the ecclesia, and praying for the nations. Uh, and this is part two. Uh, Sixteen years ago, at six o'clock in the morning, Easter Sunday, uh, on the 8th of, uh, of April 2007, I stood with about 35 other believers on the last hill in Scotland, which is in Shetland, uh, on the island of, uh, of Unst, and it's called Saxeford. And we stood there, uh, a lovely, I would like to say it was a morning like this, it wasn't. It was snowing and sleeting and raining all within a matter of five or ten minutes and we were getting there. But that was the start of Connecting Scotland, where for the next 50 days I traversed the whole of this nation, uh, being joined by other teams uh, that went with for a few days, others for a week, others for whatever time they had. But I was never on my own. And we started and uh, up in Saxeford, and uh, I knew it was going had to start in Shetland uh, and come down through the nation. And uh, we 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 were there at six o'clock on Easter Sunday morning, two thousand and seven, the eighth, which is today, but it's a Saturday. But then it was it was a Sunday, and we we started on that epic prayer journey, uh, which transversed this nation. We did over 5,000 miles in Scotland because we transversed it. I was, I was, it's like that, that movie, uh, was it planes, trains and automobiles? Uh, we, were, we were on every, every mode of transport and uh, the memories of all these places, when you see the, the weather forecast for Scotland come up and they put all the obscure names up on, on, the, on the map, uh, that, that invokes a memory. Oh, I remember being there. I remember being there, and uh, so that was 16 years ago. But I, I believe it opened up something in Scotland uh, as we traversed uh, that, that nation, uh, or, or this nation, and uh, I think we're seeing the fruits of that e e even today. Uh, when I remember standing in a bus shelter, uh, meeting two old men who were prayer warriors, and we had to go into this housing estate, and we found these two old men in the bus shelter, and that's where we had a prayer meeting. We had a prayer meeting in a bus shelter. I remember coming along the, the top coast of Scotland and coming down into uh, at Tongue, uh, as it goes across onto the, uh, just a, 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 what do you call it? Uh, I can't remember what name it is just now, but it, there's a lay-by there. And uh, as we come round the corner, there was 30 people waiting for us to pray. Uh, and we, we marched up and down that lay-by. The tourists were going by in their cars, taking photographs and doing everything. And we had the most amazing prayer meeting in, in a lay-by uh, on the, on the, at Tongue. And uh, I, I could go on the whole morning uh, of experiences uh, at that, uh, during that time. One other experience I'll tell you, and Bill happened to mention this morning about Lewis. Uh, we we were in Lewis, and we were up at Arnold, uh, which is just round from where uh, the, the Revival Church really was. And uh, I was in a house, and I'd been told to go and visit this lady if I was up in that area, and I said to uh, the young man's house I was in, it was his father who prayed the prayer in the barn. It was his father's house, uh, so we were with his son, and he, he said, well, she just lives across the road there. I'll go and see. She's 80 odds now. I'll go and see if, she, if she's able to see you. So he went across and he came back. She says, she'll see two of you. So myself and another member of my team went across into our house, and I want to say, going through that door is the nearest thing to going beyond the veil I've ever experienced, because the the presence of God was thick. Uh, you 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 just had that sense of God as we went through into that uh, into that room. 
and she sat in, in a chair in the middle of the room and, and uh, Kate and I sat on either side of her. And after we, we had introduced ourselves and done some pleasantries, uh, I asked her about, about her, her salvation. And I could see the, 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 the years rolling back in her eyes as she tried to remember back to these wonderful days. And she ran away from it because she didn't want to get involved in it. So she was a nurse and came down to, to Edinburgh, but she had to go back after her course was finished. And uh, she was actually telling me how she came to, to, to know the Lord. And I said to her, Kirsty Maggie, could you tell me, could you tell me what it was like to live in a place that was saturated with the presence of God? That's what Duncan Campbell said. He found a, a place that was saturated with the presence of God. And I said, could you tell me how that felt? And she looked at me and she said, well, son, it was like, it was like this. It, 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 was, it, was, it was like, it, it, about five times she tried to tell me. And then she said, son, I can't tell you, I haven't got the words. You know, that birthed in me something that I wanted to experience in Scotland. There's something that words couldn't describe. That the holiness and the presence of God had come down upon this land. And that, uh, from that night on, that, that afternoon on, uh, it has been my, my real desire to see the presence of God come over our nation like it was in Lewis in the late 1940s, early 50s. I'm hungry for that. I'm really hungry for that. It's never left me. And so it was, it was 16 years ago today that we started on that epic journey across our nation. Anyway, uh, we want to look this morning as we ended last month. Now, I'm going to give you a wee test this morning. I'm going to ask you the five points I spoke on last month. You know, uh, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I really trust that what we're saying these mornings is not going in here, but it's going in here. Uh, that you get a sense of the plan and purpose of God. For you and for this nation. God hasn't got plans and purposes. He's only got one plan and he's only got one purpose that his kingdom may extend here to earth. That's God's plan. And whatever your life is, it fits into that plan and that purpose. Your life has no other plan or purpose except to fulfill that what God wants to do here on earth. There's a, there's a verse in Psalm, Psalm 22, this is what it says. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is ruling over the nations. It's not he will rule. Or he has ruled. It says, for the kingdom is the Lord's. And he is ruling over the nations. And, and we sang that in our first hymn. You know, that we sang this morning. There's a line in that that says that he reigns in heaven and earth, exalted. Hallelujah. We serve a risen, reigning king. Amen. We serve a risen reigning king and because he reigns we reign and so as we look I was going to start with Jeremiah this morning and we will we will get to Jeremiah but I've got a lot to go through if we just started the Jeremiah this morning what his call was wouldn't it make sense unless you understand 
what, what God's plan and purpose was. And so we're just going to take a, 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 a wee moment or two just to, to, to lay a foundation again so that when we come to Jeremiah, we understand what his call is and we understand what it was that God was wanting them to do. I want to say there is something wrong with this picture this morning. The wicked, the governing, the righteous. There's something wrong with that picture. And yet that's what's happening over the whole of the world this morning. The wicked are governing the righteous. God never intended for an unrighteous person to be ever ruling on the earth. I want to say that again. God never intended for an unrighteous person to be ruling, ruling on this earth. But because of the fall, and because of all that took place at the fall, everything was put out of alignment. God intended that everything on earth would work in alignment with heaven. That was God's plan. That was God's plan right from the start. That everything that took place on earth was in alignment with what was taking place in heaven. Friends, when there is anything on the earth that is not in alignment with heaven, it will never work properly. Amen. I want to say that. When anything, and even in our lives, is not in alignment with heaven, it will not work properly. Being aligned with heaven means that we see the manifestation of the will and the plan of God in each aspect of our lives. You see, we have been taught to be church members, but we've never been taught how to be kingdom citizens. And we need to realize that before we ever become church members, we became kingdom uh, citizens. Being out of alignment means that something is out of order or out of place. Now you know you're, every miracle that Jesus did. We're just saying that to Agnes and Bill when we had our lunch together uh, a couple of weeks back. Every miracle that Jesus did was to bring something back into alignment. You see? Every parable that Jesus taught had this, this reason that it was to a parable that would align heaven with earth. Or align earth with heaven, rather. So every miracle that Jesus did, every parable that Jesus taught, it was all about alignment. Everything after the fall was out of sync. It went out of sync completely. At the fall, there were several levels of misalignment that took place. These areas that were severed from alignment to the kingdom of God, they fell out of alignment with heaven and no longer functioned as God intended them to be. The relationship between man and God, that was put out of alignment completely. The relationship between heaven and earth was broken. The relationship between man and man or man and woman. Because you remember, the blame game started. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. Uh, so the, 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 the relationships were put out of alignment. The relationships between man and the animal kingdom were put out of alignment. Because read, read Genesis 1. That was put out of alignment. And the relationship between man and nature... And even today, the whole of creation groans to get back into alignment with heaven. You know, the, the whole of creation, not just the earth, but the whole of creation to the furthest star that's never yet been discovered or seen, which is millions of light years away, is groaning. 
Because the fall put everything out of alignment with the intended plan and purpose of God. Matthew's book or, or gospel is the kingdom book. Mark is the book of the servant. Luke is the book of the son of man, where prayer is the key to the gospel of Luke. And John, of course, is Jesus is the son of God. But Matthew is the kingdom gospel. It's the alignment gospel. Because when you read through Matthew's gospel, he starts to realign. Like he, he tells us that there's things that need to be realigned with heaven. And there's about six verses in Matthew that start with the, with the word first. It starts with first. Because if you want to, to bring everything into alignment, there is priorities that you need to address. And I'll just go through them very quickly. If you're taking notes this morning, uh, it's good just to, to, to have a look at these at yourself. Uh, the first thing that Matthew does is he realigns priorities. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I'm not going to expand because every one of these is a message in its own. And I just want to leave them with you this morning. So the, the first thing is realigning priorities. This alignment, this alignment starts when you're born again. Do you know that? Because when you are born again, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So the minute you were born again, you got sight to see the kingdom. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get sight to see the church. You didn't get sight to see it here. You were given sight to see the kingdom. Hallelujah. You know, we need to get back to being kingdom people. Because without the kingdom, the church doesn't make sense. Amen. The church does not make sense without the kingdom being the main focus. The church is the administrators of the kingdom of God here and now. We're going to see that as we come to, to Jeremiah later on. Now, the next thing is that Matthew tells us that what needs to be aligned is attitudes. First, get rid of the log out of your own eye then you can see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. And so we've got to have uh, attitudes realigned. And then we've got to have relationships here. It's almost answering all the things that are misaligned at the fall. You've got to then realign relationships. First be reconciled to your brother, Matthew chapter 5, and then come and offer your gift. You know, it's worth looking at these at, at these firsts in Matthew. And then it's realigning authority. All authority was lost because Adam gave that authority away, gave that dominion away. And now Matthew's telling us we must get that authority realigned. How can you enter the strong man's house and plunder his goods unless you first bind the strong man and then you'll be able to plunder his house. So it's realigning the authority that was lost at the fall and realigning your, your inner life or, or, or realigning your hearts with God's heart. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. Then realigning the inner life First cleanse the inside of the cup, that the outside of them may be clean also. Matthew 23 and 20, 26. So Matthew's gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, uh, brings about realignment. Uh, it, it'd be worth it even your private time just to read through Matthew's gospel. Because it is the gospel of the kingdom. The first question asked in Matthew's gospel is what? Where is he that is born king? of the Jews. That's the first question that's asked in Matthew's Gospel. Where is he 
that is born king of the Jews. Now, to bring out uh, and align the authority, that's what I want to speak on a bit this morning, is realigning our authority. Because the authority that we have in Christ is able to change nations. Yeah. Amen. We are the kingdom legislators. We are able to legislate, which means to put into effect or enforce or enact a law or cancel a law or standard that is working against the standard of the kingdom of God. Wow. We have that authority. We have that authority to affect things that are out of alignment with the kingdom of God. If we don't do that, then when we come together, we're not coming as legislators. We're coming to sing a few songs. We come to hear some words at times. And I'm not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if we don't see ourselves meeting as legislators, as a local church in a location, rather than just a local church being a local church, just a few group, a few folks meeting together, we should see ourselves as an ecclesia that has been located in an area in order to bring into alignment that which is out of alignment in the area in which we're placed. Amen? Amen. Wow, that's powerful. That is powerful. That we need to break the local church mindset and get a kingdom mindset which brings about a change in our thinking that we are part of an ecclesia in a location. And that location in which God has placed you is in order to bring back into alignment that what you see round about is out of alignment with the kingdom of heaven. Come on, folks. This, this rises us up. This, 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 this takes us away just from, from being a pew filler. We need to stop thinking of ourselves as just a congregation. You know, that's religion. We want to break religion. We want to break religion. And we want to see ourselves as the legislative body in our community that is able to shift and change that which is out of alignment with the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. That is so, so, so powerful. And I want you to catch that in your heart this morning. I want you to catch that in your heart this morning. That this is the reason and the purpose for being gathered together with a community of Christians. It's not to feed in to that that, that body, but is to recognize that we are the ecclesia in that location that changes. When we come together as an ecclesia and we do not legislate the things that God wants done in our communities and nation in the place that God's put us, then we have not come together properly. That's a challenge. Because it's a complete change of mindset. Now I'm not running down local church. Not by any means. But what I'm saying is the mindset needs to be changed to being a church in a locality or an ecclesia in a locality with the authority to legislate, to change 
that which is out of alignment. You know, I keep saying that, but I just feel we, we need to get through that this morning. Yes. Amen. That when we come as a gathering, we need to start being legislators. We need to come, as we used to say in the old Friday night meetings, as senators, that we are able to really dictate what takes place in our region, in our town, in our city, in our family. We, if we, when we come together, if properly as an ecclesia, we address spiritual causes and we change things that benefits the kingdom of God. We need to see his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can only accomplish that. God can only accomplish that through us while we are still here on the earth. This is not something airy-fairy. This isn't pie in the sky. As one old brethren preacher used to say, it's not pie in the sky, it's steak on the plate while you wait. And so we should be enjoying being the legislators. Hallelujah. You know, we should have that in our psyche. But religion chokes that away and makes a difference between laity and, 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 and the and the ministry. Yeah. We need to come and understand the authority through Christ that allows you to affect Renfrew, Cumbernauld, Garngad, Fife, Cumber oh, I said Cumbernauld, yeah, and wherever uh, Lydia comes, is it Renfrew you come from too? Balarnock. Yeah. See, we're spread out here this morning. Right across the central belt of Scotland, where most of the population lives. And we need to start to see the shift and I think we're starting to see that. Because although we have just declared that in this room this morning, this is being declared in heavenly places. This is being declared where the spiritual realms of darkness are. They should fear us. Mm -hmm. They should Fear us. Amen. They should fear us. Hallelujah. Because if we could only realize who we are Amen. and what has been given to us, we would disturb the spiritual realm of darkness. That is over our families, that is over our communities, that is over our cities, and over our nation. You see, God is a God of nations. And he longs to see nations being discipled. That's the commission. I'm a way off track here already this morning, but I will come back because I just want to try and, and stay near where I believe God wants us to go this morning. But it is just this realization that we don't have to put up with things. We don't have to put up with corrupt government. We don't have to put up with unrighteous government. We don't need to put up with, with a fraudulent government. We need to realize that we have the authority in Christ to change. The Bible says when that change comes, 
rulers and kings will come to you. Yes, yes. Rulers and kings will come to you. Amen. Imagine the new first minister knocking at the church door this morning. I've heard, I've heard there's, there's something going on here this morning, and I see I'm not videoing it. It's, it's off, so it's, I don't know what's happened there. No matter. Imagine him so sensing that there's something going on in this room this morning. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. But it takes a people to understand who they are and what Christ has put into you by the Holy Spirit. I'll try and get back on track here. When the Ecclesia, not the... I make that distinction because there is church and there is the ecclesia. And I believe that there is two systems running through the whole world at this moment in time. The ecclesia has no division in it. The ecclesia is, is, is as one as Christ always wanted it to be. Uh, and that's the one, the ecclesia is going to come through. So the ecclesia is going to affect this. Nominal church will never affect this. Because normal church will never be taught this. And normal church will never understand this. But you, the ecclesia, the, the governmental assembly of God here on the earth, when the ecclesia rises up to exercise its God-given authority, people and governments and other religions will come and bow down. That's what it says in, at the Church of Philadelphia. That they will come down and they will bow at your feet. So what I'm saying this morning is not airy-fairy. It's not pie in the sky. It is the reality that Satan fights so hard to keep you from understanding. But if you understood the fullness of this, you would wake up every morning completely different. You would wake up the, every morning knowing that you are an MP of the kingdom, a senator of the kingdom, a legislator of the kingdom. They will know that you really hold the key. Come on. Do you know that you hold the keys? Come on. Do you know that you hold the keys to the kingdom of God? Not a key, but you hold the keys to the kingdom of God. Everything that is in the kingdom of God, you have access in order to release it from heaven to earth. You know, if I put an advert out for a prayer meeting, where the theme would be, your kingdom come, I don't think I'll get very many people at it. But you see, Satan has blinded the eyes of the believer. That he doesn't see that the authority that comes when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, Our Father, we, we, we said that in the prayer, the Our Father lifts us up into a heavenly realm into a, a heavenly relationship. You know, when we say our Father, it's not just a, an introduction to a prayer. It takes us 
from earth right into the very presence of God. Because it's our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And what I see when I'm in your presence is the, is the, the, the beautiful operation of your kingdom. What I see when I'm in your presence and I see all these things that are happening, my prayer is that God, I want to see those things come from heaven and be manifested on the earth. <laughs> come on, folks. Yes, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, what I see in your presence, your kingdom, I want it to come. Not in a thousand years' time. Not in two thousand years' time. I want your kingdom to come now. As in heaven, so it is on earth. This should really affect our prayer life. This should really affect our prayer life. That we realize that when we see our Father, we are brought into his near presence. And because we are born again, we are allowed to see the kingdom in all its fullness, in all its greatness. And we're able to make a declaration. It's not a request, it's a declaration. But it's a declaration that the prayer makes when he sees what's taking place in heaven. It's a declaration. I declare your kingdom come and yours will be done on earth as it is. In heaven. Yes. Wow. I'm a wee off my notes already again, but no, that'll not matter. I just feel I want to go with, with the flow of the Spirit this morning. Uh, I'll keep coming back because there is things that I want to I want to just bring before you this morning. And then, is that the time already? Always get beat with time. <laughs> Always get beat with time. Anyway. Wow. Today, in this present day and age, the church has been infiltrated so much by the spiritual power of darkness. There's more in the world than the church than there is the church in the world. And that should never be that should never be. We need to wake up this morning and realize that we can change that. <laughs> he continues to use the divide and conquer strategy. That dissipates the authority of the church. There's something wrong with this picture. Take a normal sized town. And you'll see a mosque. And you'll see a chapel. And you'll see a, a synagogue. So you know that's where the, the, the Jewish people meet. And that's where the Catholic people meet. And that's where the Muslim people meet. And then you'll see ten different kinds of churches. There's something wrong with that picture. I remember being in, a, in the committee room in the Scottish Parliament when we were discussing the hate bill, knowing all these posters that appeared on the, on the, on, all, around the, all around the nation, thus endeth the sermon and all that, which is really a, 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 an attack against the, the church. And I was in the last the committee, the meeting with SMPs and other leaders or organisations and Murdo Fraser 
one of the MPs, MSPs. Murdo said this. It says, if the Scottish government wants to get in touch with the Catholics, then you they know who to go to. If the Scottish government wants to get in touch with, with the Muslims, they know who to go to. If the Scottish government wants to get in touch with, with the Jews, they know who to go to. But it says we have no idea who to go to in the evangelical Christian faith. Because there's so many of you with so many different beliefs. There needs to be a unity. In the body of Christ. In an area or a district that takes responsibility and legislates for that area together. There is no the corporate voice of the body of Christ in Scotland. That's sad. There is no corporate voice. These things are need to change. <laughs> we are gathered together to Christ. Yes. He's the gathering point. I'll leave it there before I say something. That, yeah, okay. When the body of Christ becomes one, we will become the largest spiritual, economical, and political force for God on earth. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. And yet, we still live under the divide and conquer, rather in the unity of the body of Christ. Throughout the word of God, when, whenever God speaks about the purpose concerning earth, he always puts his kingdom first. Always puts his kingdom first. And when he talks about the ecclesia, he does the same. Because we are kings and priests. Not will be. We are kings and priests. Therefore, we can move in that sphere, move in that realm, move in that area in our communities that's out of alignment and bring them back into alignment with the kingdom of God. But we cannot start doing that in an area. I want you to hear this. Speak to myself here too. We cannot start doing that in an area without it first being true in our own lives. Don't go to the enemy's camp, you've still got part of the enemy in you. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. So before we start changing the nations, we need to learn to start changing ourselves. That our whole being and our whole life seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that worry us, that take up our time. All these other things will be given to you. Jeremiah chapter 1. <laughs> Let's just try and come to this. I'm sorry if I went through an awful lot of different things this morning, but I just laid the foundation to understand what is meant 
in Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm just trying to miss out uh, one or two things here. Uh, so we come to Jeremiah chapter. If you've got your Bible, let's just open our, our Bibles at Jeremiah chapter 1. Because it's... Uh, the weeping prophet, as Jeremiah is often called, called For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Read it when you get home. It's an amazing chapter, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. But I just want to, to, to start from verse number 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You know, we could stop there, we could just expand on that. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I made you holy. I set you apart. That's what being holy means. It means set apart. Hagios in the Greek. I set you apart. Are you hearing that for yourself this morning? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. You are a set apart person this morning. You are set apart. I appointed you. Knew you, set you apart, appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. It's almost as if the Great Commission was being taught here to Jeremiah. Ah, sovereign Lord. I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you. Are you listening to this this morning? You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever <coughs> I command you. <coughs> Excuse me. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. This is like this is like the New Testament, isn't it? Do not worry what you need to say when you're brought before kings, because I will tell you what to say. And I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand. And touched my mouth. Amen. Oh, God touched my mouth this morning. Amen. God touched my mouth this morning. Amen. Touched my mouth this morning. Because when you touch my mouth, the words that I speak are fire, truth. The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words. In your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms. This is this is what we've been building up to. You know, this this is what we've been looking at in the earlier part of our, of our meeting. It's been the foundation that we've been laying. So we understand that when God sets us apart, it is to nations and to kingdoms. And he says to uproot, 
to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. What a call, eh? I wonder how you feel or how you would have felt if you were Jeremiah. A man and a nation that didn't honour God. The, a, a prophet in a nation where the nation preferred the false prophets. Jeremiah was put in, in the dungeon on many times because he spoke the words that God gave him. But I wonder how you would feel this morning if you could put yourself in Jeremiah's place. And the Lord has just, he's just touched your mouth. And he's saying this to you. I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. <laughs> I wonder how you'd be feeling. <laughs> But God, I'm, I'm just a single man. I'm just a young man here. I've never been out of Jerusalem. But because God touched his mouth, he had a mindset given to him by God that could help him understand what his calling was. I'm just going to go try it just for a minute if I can just find a wee note I've got in my top of my Bible here Adjumani you've never heard of Adjumani Adjumani is in Uganda North Uganda and it sits right on the border with the Sudan it's now actual South Sudan that sits on but at that time it was the border of the Sudan. And it was a refugee village. You could only get it by aeroplane. You couldn't drive to it. You had to get a, a, a bus up to the other side of the Blue Nile and traverse into this wee, this wee village called Adjumani. The offering in the church every, every week was one dollar. That's the complete offering. One dollar. Because they were refugees, they were so poor in Adjumani. But outside that church was a tree. And on that tree, they put a notice. And this is what it said. Adjumani, the Centre for Global Impact, and world evangelism. <laughs> Come on. Here was a people, a village church of refugees with no access into the place except by plane. Maths the only people that can fly into Adjumani. And yet on a tree outside that building was a mindset that was world-beating. It says, Adjumani Church Centre for Global Impact and World Evangelism. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> I wonder if we could put that on a notice outside our churches. You know? Centre for Global Impact and World Evangelism. I expect to see that when I come back in a month's time. <laughs> The it's the mindset, isn't it? Yes. It's the mindset. Yes. Religion has, has dumbed our mindset. Amen. Nominal church has, has dumbed our mindset. But when God comes and he touches you, and he puts words into you, Amen. and he gives you his mindset, 
Therefore, when Jeremiah was told that he was going to be a prophet to the nations and to kingdoms, and what he was going to do to them, and he had never moved much out of where he was, he had to have that mindset from God that allowed him to speak. In. Read the book of Jeremiah. And read the book of Lamentations, which is also written by Jeremiah. But you see, we need to have this God-given kingdom mindset, which is to nations and to kingdoms. Wow. Center for Global Impact and world evangelism. I want that mindset. <laughs> wow. I'm just going to skip a few things here now. So, what Jeremiah was being told was he was going to be the prophet who would bring back into alignment the kingdoms and the nations that were misaligned with the kingdom of God. Now, we sometimes start at the end of that verse. That's our normal starting place, is to plant and to build. We would jump right in there and say, right, I'm going to be a planter, I'm going to be a builder, and we're going to do it here, we're going to do it there. But God says to Jeremiah, there's things you need to do before you do that. He says that you've got to uproot. Now I need to go back to Jeremiah. You've got to uproot. You've got to tear down. You've got to destroy. And you've got to overthrow. So this is the mindset that God gave to Jeremiah in order to plant and to build. The first thing Jeremiah was supposed to do, the 25 past, I'll get another five or maybe 10 minutes, I'm sorry, I'm always asking for five or 10 minutes. The first thing Jeremiah was to do was to root out, uproot, to root out. What was he supposed to root out? Everything the heaven, the Father did not plant, that's what we have to root out. The Ecclesia, this is, is the word of the Lord for you today. Everything that your Heavenly Father did not plant in your life, in your family, in your community, in your city, in your nation, if it was not planted by God, then we have, have the authority to root it out. Yeah. Jesus replied in Matthew 15 and 13, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. <clears throat> Everything. In your life, in your family's life, in your community's life that has not been planted by God, you have been given the authority to root it out, to uproot it. It's, there's no use going across your lawnmower, across the dandelions, and taking the heads off them, because you know what happens. The next time you cut the grass, it's not one dandelion, it's five dandelions. We have got to root out things in our communities. As I said at the prayer day, we, most of the prayer meetings that we have in our nation, we pray against the fruit that we see. We see the alcohol addiction, we see the drug addiction, we see the poverty we see the, the adultery, we see the fornication, we see the pornography, we see all these things and we pray against them, but that's not what we're told to do. We're told to uproot them. Yes. 
God has given us that appointment and that authority to do them. I'm going to just, I had a whole, a whole, a whole bit on, 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 on rooting out, but we'll, we'll maybe do it another time. Uh, the other thing Jeremiah was told was to pull down or to tear down. Oh, wow. What do we, what do we, to, what do we to tear down and pull down? Well, really, I believe that refers to strongholds that have been built up in, in our lives, in our families' lives, in our community's lives. What causes the people in our community to think and do the things that they do? It's strongholds. Their battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against all these other things that control our communities. We have been appointed to tear them down. Not only to uproot them, but to tear them down. And again, the, the, the strongholds that were formed by, by culture, by upbringing, by knowledge, by school, by experience. Most often these strongholds work in opposition to the knowledge of God. That's what Paul writes to in, in Corinthians about the strongholds being pulled down. We do not battle with, with, uh, with weapons that, that this world does. It's the pulling down of strongholds. Everything that is opposed to the knowledge of God and to the knowledge of Christ. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God in our community, you have the appointed, the appointment of God to tear it down. Not the fruit, but the root and the strongholds. But before you and I can do that in any region, we have to prepare ourselves by making sure there's no strongholds in our own lives. And as I said before, do not go into the enemy camp when you have things in your life that belong to him. That's dangerous. And I, I, I'm going to change on there now. I'm going to go to the third one, which is destroy. The third thing Jeremiah was supposed to do was to destroy what do we need to destroy? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus has given us authority over, over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Come on, we need to start believing this stuff. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the, from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. We have no difficulty in looking out through the window or the door of this building to see the works of the devil. We don't have to go searching for them. They're not hidden. They are blatantly practiced openly in a way in this day and generation that they would never have been 10, 15, 20 years ago. So we don't have to go looking for the works of the devil, but we know that we have the authority in Jesus to destroy them. So we can go in prayer, praying in the Spirit, that we can destroy the works of the devil that we see. But many times in our prayer meetings, they're all inward looking rather than legislating in a community that brings into alignment the things that are misaligned from the kingdom of God. And then a lot more to say, but to throw down, 
The fourth thing Gemma was called to do over nations and kingdoms was to throw down. Everything that was not built on the foundation of God, we have the authority to pull it down, to throw it down. Jesus said to them, do not, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Religion. The temple had become religion. The temple had become more to them than God. They even swore by the gold of the temple. And that had to be thrown down. You know, we sometimes can make church the greatest thing in our lives. And all our effort is put into serving church. Just like the Pharisees. And we're distracted from serving God. And it, it doesn't have to be a nominal church. It can be your charismatic churches. It can be your Pentecostal churches. It can be any, anything that, 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 that takes our, our eyes of God. As I said at the prayer day, that the greatest weapon that Satan uses is distraction. He's the master of distraction. He's a magician. Because that's how, that's how magicians work, by distraction. They do something with this hand when they're actually doing something else with this hand. And Satan distracts us. Even in things that we think are good and holy and, 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 and for the church and, and, and for the good. But they're not for God. And we need to make sure that our eyes are not distracted. That we are constantly serving the living God. I'm going to have to stop there. Uh, we might touch a wee bit on that next But next week, or next month, I would like to look at the message that changes the nation. What is the gospel of the kingdom? I would like to look at that in four weeks' time. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Because whenever the gospel of the kingdom was preached, there was signs, wonders, miracles, all these things. Crowds followed Jesus because they had never heard a message like this. Have we lost the message of the kingdom? Do we preach another gospel? Come back in four weeks' time and we'll look at that. That's God's word for this morning. I pray that it came from my heart that it reaches your heart. And we see ourselves as legislators in the kingdom of God here upon the earth. Blessings.